Hello and welcome to The Life Pod, hosted by Michael Panay and Karim Dow, brought to you by MK Enterprises, a community based on discussing life topics and driving continual personal development and growth. Send through any topics you want covered and be sure to follow and tag us on all social media at MK Enterprises. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Life Pod. Today we have on Reese Livingstone, the founder and CEO of Limestone Physiques. Thank you very, very much for coming on, bro. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, excited to talk all things, whatever we're going to talk about. I don't really get. <laughs> well, you've been here for what five minutes and already taught us. <laughs> yeah, so apparently we're we're actually doing a podcast wrong. Everything <laughs> we're doing is wrong so far. So just just minor tweaks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, minor tweaks. Hey, well, you know that's why we're here. Personal development. That's exactly it. why we're here. We're, if we it. can educate and help people, provide some value. It's ex- our, you know our job is done. So hundred percent. We're on to a good start. You've helped us so far, so hopefully you can help others along the way. Yeah, pass it on definitely. But um, and that's what it's all about. At the end yeah. of the day? Yeah, like just, you know, give us, who are you? Obviously, we know you're you're the owner of Lionstone. You guys are like the goats of online coaching. How did that come about? How long have you been doing it? How did you get into the industry? Man, uh, fuck, do you want the long version or the, the, the cliff notes? Um, <laughs> the cliff notes. Right, I'm here all night, bro. I'll so, man, I've been in the industry now 10 years uh, in, in fitness. How old? Uh, I'm, 20, I'm 28 in, Dece- in December. Oh, wow. Wow. So, I got straight out of school. Uh, finished my essentially finished my cert three four as I was still in year twelve, um, and then I bailed on year twelve. I didn't finish. Um, Can I cut you off there and ask? Cool. It's like in year twelve, were you sort of already training? Like what? Nah, what, what made you go? You not maybe fitness is the thing. I used to swim. I was like a pretty pretty competitive swimmer back in the day. Um, and then when I stopped swimming, swimming's like one of those things. Like I was doing like fourteen sessions a week, yep. like two hour sessions per session. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you were into it? Yeah, yeah. I like was. Nick. Yeah, okay, I was. I was like, um, like competing nationals and all that kind of shit, yeah. doing, doing all Who that. Did you swim for if you don't mind me asking? I was in swimming at Werribee and then moved to MSAC. Do you know the Tiger Sharks? Oh, no, okay. <laughs> not, <laughs> not even. Um, so I did that, but then like most swimmers, if you stop swimming, you just get fat. Um, so that's I, so true. Like <laughs> it's just you just burn so many cows. Yeah, just, swimming's fucking hard. It's ridiculous. So I just got into training, man, and like uh, back in school, I was somewhat artsy. I was into like. Um, I was really into music. I was really into like graphic design and like art and all that kind of shit. So I did uh, VC music and VC art a year early. Mm. So when I got to year 12, I only had four subjects. And so you like, did three and four in year 11? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so that was essentially like, that was the plan. I was originally going to be like musician or art. Yeah. Um, had no idea what I really wanted to do, but then did that. Year 12, fin- like got into year 12, I only had four subjects. So I had heaps of free periods. And I was like, well, I'm getting fat. So I'll go train. Um, did that, enjoyed it heaps. And then, man, I just, I bailed on year 12 exams. I didn't, I was never academic. Like so you just, you mean like you didn't show up? Like just didn't show up. That's mad, that's gangster. Yeah. Just didn't show up. I'm dis- <laughs> so I'm, I'm dyslexic. I got diagnosed after year 12. Um, but just like writing, doing tests and shit was just never my deal. Mm. Um, I'm the same, honestly. Can, I, I was the same. I yeah. So I did VC in year 11 and then I just couldn't handle it in year 12. So I did VCAL yeah. and I knew I could, go through the path I wanted to through VCAL. So I did that. I was shit at spelling, shit at maths. I still to this day have to Google search which you're to use. Yeah. yeah it's fucked. I'm the, I'm, man, it's like for me when it comes to like, even with like seminars and presentations, if I fast forward now, it's just like, I just fucking, I don't even bother trying to spell. I just say like, it's going to be chicken scratch and let's just deal with it. Yeah. Um, but man, in that, in that process, it was like, okay, I'm going to take a gap year. I'm just going to you know live my life and do whatever. Mum was like, just apply for some shit. So I did. I liked fitness. So I like kind of was like, oh yeah, I'll apply for that. Didn't even know. Like this was back 
2012, personal training wasn't really a popular job. Oh, it wasn't 100%. a career. No. Right. And online coaching definitely wasn't a fucking thing. Yeah. Right. When do you reckon that sort of started? Not kicked off, started. I want to say, I want to say, no, I reckon it started in like 2014. Yeah, I but think. in terms of like the spike. Oh, yeah. I reckon 2018-ish, 1997. Uh, 2019, where people started to, yep. it was it was COVID, bro. COVID yeah. peaked every online coach because they were like, well, and people that were already in a fitness industry that could no longer work, they had one option or two options, they had to fail or pivot into online. Yep. So that's where it really kind of just grew legs, but. Yeah, man. Anyway, I rocked up to first day of that fitness course. Didn't know that personal training was the job that I was getting qualified to do. I just was like, <laughs> fitness cool. Like, what do we do? <laughs> um, they explained like what you'd be qualified to do at the end of it all. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, went into a good life at the end of that. Um, and very quickly realized that you had to have some sort of point of difference, right? I was in a gym of like 26 trainers at the time. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and so there were two guys uh, that were doing well. They were doing decent. Uh, they were real smart. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to run with the bulls. So I just tried to get smarter than them. Um, and I was learning some stuff from them at the time and then got to a point where I was like coming to them for questions that they didn't know how to answer. Um, and I was like, okay, fuck, now I've got something. So got smart, joined businesses with them. Um, actually, like kind of teamed up with them. Um, saw that out for a couple of years. That kind of got me into the, the coach education side of things. Um, and then... We essentially, we, we ran like a mentorship program back then. And long story short, it wasn't fucking good, right? Is that the one that you and I spoke about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So long story short, <laughs> wasn't good. Just in relation is like churn rate of the way we ran the business, right? So what we did was quote unquote mentor other coaches. They were subcontractors within the business. We didn't pay their rent. We took a large percentage of their income per, per session uh, which is fine in that first like three months that you're like heavily upskilling someone. But then fast forward six months forward, those, that coach is now skilled. They now know how to acquire their own clients. They know how to program themselves and they're still paying us now at a higher percentage because they're busier, right? It took one of my friends that I had actually bought into the business like to, to mentor, to sit me back, or to pull me aside and like, look, can I have a friend conversation, not a, a work conversation? I was like, of course. Um, and... He was like, dude, how much do you think I've paid the company? I was like, well, I can tell you how much I've been paid, but I don't know how much you've met, you've paid the company. Long story short, he'd paid the company 70 grand and he was like, just just got married, wanted to start a family. And I was like, okay, bro, you need to leave. And then like a few weeks after that, I was like, I need to leave. This doesn't align with what I do. Mm. And the whole time I was still running my own show as far as like my own coaching business, I was still doing my thing. And it was just like mentoring as a part of this company. Mm -hmm. um, did that, went in and did my own thing. That grew and that grew pretty fucking quick. Um, so at the peak of like in-person coaching, I was doing like roughly 70 sessions a week. That's fucked up. Um, yeah, it was, it was just wild. How many? 70. So just to like put put that out there for people who in like- Perspective. Perspective. So let's just say you do, you were doing 45 from day dot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say about, let's just cap it to say 60 hours. That's just in the gym. That's outside of checking in. That's outside of writing programs. Like 60 hours just in the workplace. Yeah. So it's probably about 80. Yeah, hours. It, was, it was, this was like, and look, I will say this was a before a time that uh, online coaching was a thing and there was check-ins and so on. So it was largely just time in gym, right? Mm -hmm. And time spent programming. Um, and then that kind of just, that that pretty much grew its course and I like, stayed there and I was very much in that, I guess, mentality of like hustle, grind, do the thing. Um, a relationship at the time failed. Um, that was exclusively because I was working. 
Yep. I was not present. There's two questions I want to ask on that. Number one, were you Lionstone from day dot? Yeah, so I was essentially I operated. No, actually, it wasn't. I was li Reese Living Fit, so I was like Living Fit was my cool. my, cool. my thing. Was because yep. my last name is Livingstone. Um, as I then got into the mentorship program, as I teamed up with the others, I essentially then was like, okay, nah, because I was doing a lot of comp prep then. I was yeah. like, well, I need a, I don't want to just under that banner. I, want, I need a team. So I was like, I just like named it Team Lionstone. And that was around the time that that relationship failed. And then the lion just came from like it being a lion and the stone just matching your last name, I'm assuming? Uh, lions, I'm absolutely and utterly obsessed with lions. Um, so just like, man, I went through a big phase of like Are depression. You uh, I'm not. I don't know what the fuck I am, but I'm not that. <laughs> 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 Must be a capsicum then. <laughs> Definitely an octopus. <laughs> yeah, fuck man. Just the one with all the triangles, you know. Um, Squid Illuminati. Yeah. Um, man, I went through a phase, bro. I went through, I got like hella depressed after that relationship ended. Yep. And so like backstory, that, that relationship as you was do. like- like as you do yeah as and look and look she was she was like high school sweetheart though like she was uh, like i'd known always her harder, yeah. from like oh, i was when i was like 12 and yeah, like it was bad. like okay she was the one yep right and then that ended purely just because i kept telling her that like oh, i'm working for our future and then when every time she wanted funny enough every time she wanted to talk about my future and our future i'm like Shut up, that's later Shh. right i'm busy i'm busy yeah so that failed went into a bit of a fucking depressed state um got obsessed with like just like that whole mindset of like being the lion take the lead be like be the powerful one so i got within the space of like six months got like three lions tattooed on my body and i was like okay well I like lions last name's livingstone pop, pop it together yeah well Sweet. so Gangster. that's where that came from um and then but go on so we, and then where did that okay so it sounds like even before the relationship fell you were still very like like you are now like we all are now like Go, yeah, hustle, was, grind, drive. Where did that- That was the question I had. And that this is something that one of our first guests said. You either, you know, you do these drastic measures, you work super hard either out of inspiration or desperation. Mm -hmm. And wh where was yours? It was like, it was like, you know, a tough upbringing. You're like, I need to make it. I need to do this. <clears throat> to touch on that, you said you went, so you said you did, you know, you went to the good life and mm -hmm. you saw these coaches. So you could tell back then it, the drive in you was from then to identify the best ones there and mm -hmm. then work with them. Yep. So what- how did you come across this, you know, drive to, you know, want to like be just not be average, just not be a not coach be and like just not be a normal person? What was it in your life where you were like, hang on, fuck. I, like what makes you like all of us right like now? Like we don't, we just want to work. We yeah. want to be above, cut you, above the rest. You could have been a normal PT who went into that good life with, 20, with 26, 20, you know, whatever other PTs and said, oh yeah, I'm happy. Mm. I think for me, man, there's two things, right? I think my earliest memory of realizing that I would never respond well to working for someone else or being the person that took direction was my first day as a on the job in when I worked I worked at Big W when I was like you know I think it was fourteen or nine months when you yep. can first legally yep. work. Um, my my earliest memory of like okay I'm not ever going to really respond to authority in the quote unquote traditional way. Yeah, facts. Um, manager pulled me aside. I was like, Hey, can you do, I can't remember what it was. It was like returns or some shit. Can you do this thing? It was like my second day. I was like, Yeah, I can, but can you show me how? And he's like, and I was like, and I literally was like, yeah, I can, but you have to show me how. And he was literally looked at me. He's like, oh, well, bit, bit, bit disappointed. You don't know how to do that. And I straight away, man, quick eyes, just turn around. Like I'm a bit disappointed. You haven't shown me. Yeah. And I said, and then I like, he paused and I go, well, it's your job to show me. And then straight away, I was like, oh, I can't deal with people fucking telling me what to do. Um, where that came from, man. I got my grandpa. My grandpa was really inspirational. Mm -hmm. 
was definitely not from desperation. I grew up fine. Yep. Like we didn't grow up rich, but we didn't grow up poor. Comfortable, normal. Yeah. Yep. Like went on holiday every year. Um, my dad worked for Qantas for forty years, so we were blessed That's to be gangster. able to go. We were blessed to be able to go tra- uh, go travel, really whenever we wanted. Yep. Right. Um, so like we grew up well, but like Western suburbs, normal household, wasn't above the line, wasn't below it. Real normal. Are you real got, comfortable. Are you like an only si- only child? No, I've got a sister, so I'm the youngest. Yep. Um. But my grandfather was always very inspirational. He always told us that um, you can be anything you want and then he would follow it. You can, he would follow it up every single time. You can be anything you want if you work for it. You can have anything you want if you work for it. And it was every single time was just like, you can get where you want to go if you, if you put in the time, if you grow the skill set, if you gain the character, if you drive, you'll get there. And like, there was nothing off limits if he like, you know, he would always just say like, no matter what, if I came out with something fucking crazy, you know, kids, they cra- say crazy shit. Mm. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? And he would always say like, you have anything you want, but you got to work. You got to go. Was he a businessman? He wasn't. That's the interesting thing, man. Yeah, wow. He was just, um, man, he Did just he worked. Like, was he in the war or anything like that? Anything like that sort of put him? He grew up tough. Okay. He grew up real tough. So out of, like, the, you got out of desperation. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. He grew up real tough. Like <laughs> his, his dad had passed away before he was, before he has any remem- uh, memory of him in the war. Yep. Um, they flew over from Scotland. Um, his mum was tough as like, and there was, I think seven siblings and he had Shit. to pretty much raise them. Yeah. There so you go. He grew up, he grew up r- real rough. So I think he just really instilled that early. He was like, man, you want to do something like, it can be done. Be part of the be part of the solution, not the problem. If you want to do something, go fucking work for it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where that I guess that hustle came from, man. But like long story short, Lionstone, after I like uh built or went into my into my own rights of doing that and just like, nah, this other shit feels bad. Um, that grew real quick to the point where I couldn't uh couldn't cope anymore. I was already doing online, I was already I was still doing you know in person as well. Online grew. Uh I think at the at the peak of online I had like 80, 85 online clients while still doing about 35 sessions in the gym. Um, it was stupid. Hired Mason. Mason is someone that who I'd actually met through that previous experience, previous business venture. He was one of the people we mentored. He was one of the people that got absolutely shafted. Um, and he came to me. And still trusted you. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he trusted the fact that I left. And when I left, he called me and said, bro, why did you leave? Like it's a bit of a weird situation when one of the founding mem- members leave. Yeah, like you're yeah. making good money. Why would you? Yeah. Why'd you go? Right, and I told him honestly. I said, "Man, one, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll throw myself on the bus. One, I wasn't willing to do what they were willing to do. Right, as in regards to, we were going into essentially education at the time, and we were going to be teaching Cert Three Four, and we were taking over, like I think twelve different campuses of the Cert Three Four education thing through AIPT. They wanted to be able to drive from one campus on a Friday night, a Saturday morning, next campus, the next week another campus, and I was like, man." I got into I got into fitness industry to not work Friday nights and not work weekends. So that was a big like, I don't want to do this. I'm not willing to do the shit you guys are willing to do. Yeah. But then also ethically, this just fit, it feels yuck. Mm. So when I left, I told Mason that like, cool, I wasn't willing to do what they were, right? Because the lifestyle didn't match, Yeah. right? And I didn't like the way things were being run, left. And when I approached Mason, like, hey, bro, I need help. Like he just got back from, from Europe. Like, I know you're qualified. I know you're not really in the industry anymore. He was doing um, cabinet making. Um, I was like, cool. Do you want to interview? Absolutely. Let's go. It was Mason and I for probably the better part of nine months where we were just, um, we were pumping, we were just pumping online coaching. I'd, I'd completely exited one-on-one by that time. Um, what year was this? Uh, so this would have been 2018 okay. when was I was the, completely exited. So uh, you, 2017, sta- so you 2017. started uh, face-to-face in what year? 20, uh, 2012. So six years 
yeah. five and a half years ish of yeah. face to face. Yep. And then online well. Yeah. So then did that and then long story short, rolled that to COVID. Stage four lockdown happened. Um and in stage four lockdown, I got pretty strategical. I was like, <clears throat> we are because Mace got a bit worried. He was like, what are we gonna do? And I said, Well, we're gonna fucking figure this out. And within two days we had it sorted. So um, we, I, I literally said to all of our clients at the time, we probably had between the two of us, maybe 150 clients. COVID was definitely a sink or swim. 100%. For I think people- for, for all businesses, all industries. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, like this might be a bit controversial. You can be a victim of it. And yes, the situation was bad, but there was a lot that could be done. 100%. Um, you need to adapt. And we just moved quick, man. So that when we got to that stage four point, I literally said, um, and it might sound strange, but I- strategically it was like we're turning off every client's payment we turn, no we did not charge a single client for two weeks very proud of that um but that was that was strategical like it was yes i wanted to help people but when you come to someone's time when you come to someone's need right in a time of need right reciprocation is going to be coming back to you tenfold we turned off all payments for two weeks that's fantastic Man, i've no i know massive gyms who didn't do it yeah yeah, they so just took the money. Look, we were lucky. We had no overheads. I yeah. had to pay Mason, yeah? Yeah, Right, yeah. but that's what we have a war chest for. That's what we have capital in the bank for, Yeah, right? That's safety, that's security, Yeah, right? So I was like, cool, we'll turn it all off for two weeks. And I said to everyone, like, I understand. And I messaged every single person, whether they were mine or Mason's client, I understand you're going through some tough shit. We are here. We are able to help. And we can help without charging you, so we're going to. So did that and then pretty much hired Chloe. And then by the end of that two weeks, because we gave everyone two weeks for free, every single person referred like crazy. So these so are the guys. How did, how did Chloe come about like during the lockdown? Like, like, did you guys go, did you say, hey, like we need someone because we're busier now during lockdown? Yeah. I just interviewed, man. Like Chloe was one of maybe one of 20 applicants. Yep. Um, got the interview, did the, did the interview. It was her, between her and one other. Um, and that was a very, like the other, right? I've not, I've not told this story. The other was, five years more experienced, um, like knew how to run, run the show, right? Had, had been doing it for ages, but just needed, just wanted to come and be part of a team. So right? yeah, was smarter. Well, uh, right? That's a, yeah, I'm curious now. Right. And this is just one of those moments, man, as a business owner, you trust your fucking gut. Gut, yeah. Like I got on that interview. It's like, cool. Experience is there. Smartness, educated. But this other one, right? Gut Chloe, Chloe, Chloe was only like six weeks into the industry before mm -hmm. COVID, right? So very fresh. But she just jumped, man. She just like jumped she jumped, jumped. She just jumped off the page, man, and she jumped out on that interview, and it was like best decision we ever made. Best decision. Right. Shout like, out Chloe. <laughs> big shout out Chloe. Like, absolutely changed changed everything for us. And then, so within a two week period, she went from being completely new to forty five clients, um, full, and then hide the next one, hide the next one, grow. Essentially, over all that time throughout uh, growing the business. Um, I was also do, like doing like business mentoring as well. And that's where, you know, my passion is now that I don't really coach anymore. So I've exited myself out of Lionstone. I just like essentially manage. More to the business side. Yeah. How did, what was your plan then? Like in that time of when you were hiring Chloe? Like yeah, was that, that always the plan? Like, cool, yeah. I'm, I, one day I will stop coaching. That's been the plan for about six years. No, but how were you going in terms from a business standpoint? Like, did you have a plan in place yeah. or were you just growing, 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 growing? Uh, so we... I think this is one of the big things that a lot of business owners will struggle with is that they don't have strategy and they don't understand leverage. Um, they just I had both. grow. And they, just, yeah. they just grow, right? They just do stuff, right? And they, they figure it out as they go, 
And there's an element of that that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But I think if you don't go into you know a decision making process with or a strategy with adequate like understanding of the landscape around you, mm-hmm. you're gonna be pretty you're gonna be lost. And it's something that I refer back to all the time is like it's an OODA loop, right? So it's a, we want to orient, right? So the first O is orient. Okay, we want to we want to get the objective. So what's what do we want to do? We want to orient, then we want to get the objective, right? Then we want to decide and then act, right? So first look around then get the objective. Most people start with the objective in, in, in mind first, mm. right? Or unfortunately most people act and then think later, Yeah. right? And why I call it a loop is because every time it's like every decision leads to another one, leads to another one. It just keeps looping around, right? So that way, like if you can have that outlook on anything that you do in business, every decision you make, you first must need to understand the outcome and you first must need to understand like where you could go if this doesn't work, right? Where do you pivot? Where, what direction do you take? And I feel like most business owners, man, they're standing in a corner being the victim of like just either not busy enough or too busy. And when you stand in the corner, bro, you have no peripheral. Sounds like got nothing. risk management. Yeah. Yeah. I think risk I think risk is necessary in business. Risk and failure are very important. Okay. Yeah, but before, before you continue, I think I misworded my question before about uh, you not wanting to be coaching. So what I meant by that is, Obviously, you and I are very, very similar. It's like, cool, we want to be sort of running the back end and that's fine. Let the business scale and grow. Mm-hmm. But was business mentoring always like a thing you wanted to do or like that sort of that just grew. Fo- yeah, formed, that, 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 that love happened. and that passion sort of grew? I think it grew through necessity, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I saw a gap um, in especially fitness industry business. And what was that gap? Practical application, right? People always talk about two things, actually. Practical application. So people always talk about how to hypothetically do things in theory. But then when you sit there and go, okay, but bro, I run a business this way, right? What do I do? Mm. It's like your, your practical application is just, it's so hard to find because everything's theoretical. Right. And the other problem is, is is, this is a two-sided coin, right? Most people are teaching from opinion, not, not experience. Right. Facts. Right. And they're just like, because it's very easy to give advice on shit that you, you think like, you know about. Like, man, I know, I, I don't know shit all about real, real estate, but I guarantee you I could sit here and tell you some shit to do. And maybe 50% of it would work. Does that make me a fucking real estate expert? No. <laughs> right. I can give advice even if I have no understanding of the product. Right. More importantly, no understanding of the audience. Right. When we talk about like pro- product market fit, and people are like always like, oh, you need to understand the product to sell it. It's like, no, you don't. You need to understand the fucking consumer. You need to understand the outcome, right? Um, so people are teaching from opinion and not ex- and not experience. But the other side of that coin is if they are teaching from experience, I found that a lot of them are only able to apply their experience, right? And that there's almost like an expiry on that, isn't there? there That's is. the thing. There is. So uh, let's just say we'll use a professor, for example, at a university. There's an expiry date on his knowledge 100%. because we're in a world where business constantly evolves mm-hmm. and COVID was a proof of that yep. and constantly changes where his his experience to that point to his expiry date is no better than someone who's already started a business and adapting and evolving. Yeah, fully agree. And like this is where like where I saw the gap, man, is like I would be talking to people – that were running businesses, let's just call a spade a spade, that less succe- less successful than mine was, mm. and they'd be trying to give advice to people making their first six figures. And it's like, well, okay, okay, they, this company might be a six-figure company, right? Mm. But the first six figures is very different to the fifth six-figure. Yeah, right? consistency. Right? Well, it's not even that, bro. Like the problems you face in your first six figures is like, 
so it's, it's large. It's it, one they're minor, but they're largely more to do with the individual, right? They're not really strategical. They're not business issues. No, right? And it's more so like when we look at that, and you and if you're only able to teach from experience and use only your experience as the the governing like the measuring stick, right? As a my, metric, yeah. Yeah, my problems are going to be different from business A, B, C, yep. right? So I need to be able to understand business principle, right? And this is where I feel like there's a big gap: business principle, and then application. Because if I'm just going from only experience and not principle, I would then just tell every person that I mentor, do the thing how I did it. But how I did it may not be relevant for their branding. Yeah? Spot on. So I think as far as where I come into that that mentoring space and why I started to get a really big passion for it was because I started to realize that there's this fucking big gap. People are either just slinging shit and just saying like, and like be like talent, selling the dream, bro. Like- Earn your first six figures, earn your first mil, all in theory, right? Or all it sounds in, like just every e-commerce ad on Instagram ever. Yeah, <laughs> man, I bet you I can quote it, bro. <laughs> get get five to ten high-paying, high-ticket clients per week through our new marketing funnel. That does. It this is how help. I made six figures and bought a Lamborghini in two weeks. Yeah, and fucking, you know, using help. Shopify and drop shipping it doesn't help, bro. <laughs> and it's it, it causes more problems. It's dangerous too, bro. It's fucking dangerous because then people can waste gullible. money. People are gullible. I think that's actually really important. A good point in terms of business because one thing you can get is in business is you, you get too much information, so you're getting mm. information overload, and then you fall sort of fall into like analysis paralysis. Yep, and you get stuck. Yep without even taking the action or doing what, you know, because you're thinking about all these different things and mm-hmm. you just don't move. Yeah. yeah, well, that's so I where... I think it's a really good... If we look, dude, point. if we look at, um, uh, like, imposter syndrome, really rampant in our industry, and probably most industries, where, like, people come into a little bit of success, they feel like they don't deserve it or and have the skill set. see it all the time in real estate. Yeah. You see agents come for one year in a great market. Yeah, I made this amount of money. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And there's actually... That, look, there's an agent... There's, there's agents I've known... So I, I came into a shit market yep. when I started my position in real estate. And you have agents who were in a great market. They were there for a year. They made amazing figures. Like if I told you, you'd be like, fuck. Yep. You know, and now they couldn't handle it and left. Yeah. You know, in a year, in for a year and out, couldn't handle it. Yeah. Couldn't and handle the decline. That, and that's largely like, and even man, that decline's a whole nother story, bro. But like that first incline, then when you first come into some money, I know it happened to me and it still happens to my staff now where I'm like, guys, you are worth what I fucking pay you, right? Mm. Like I, I, I pay you well. I pay my staff fucking well. And that's, I'm very big on that as well. Like you want to run a business, pay above market, yep. right? Because Let it's going to fucking work. Well, it's one, it's going to attract, it's, it's going to attract the right fucking people, yep. right? Because only good people want to get paid well, right? It's going to attract the right people. It's going to set the standard and it's going to allow you to keep good staff. I'd rather pay someone 20, 30, 40% above market to keep them for the next 10 years. And this is a whole other topic, but like we'll probably get into it later. It's like same thing with your business. Like yeah. if you're charging shit, you'll probably attract shit. Yeah, hundred percent, you will, hundred percent. And like that's where like I think just like for me, it's like I I still have to coach it in my guys where they where they get these times where like fuck, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm worth this. I don't know if I should have as many clients as I do. Mm. Like they get this imposter syndrome. It's like you need to just get good at trusting that you are fucking worth this shit. Yeah. Right. And that's where like understanding the whole principles behind the business is, is crucial because it allows me to coach that well and actually makes it make sense. A big one for me, man. Like so big gap. After Chloe, how many, how many staff, how many PTs do you have working for? Not PTs, technically coaches. Sorry, coaches. Technically coaches. coaches. The, how the many team? coaches are, are there now within the Limestone group? Uh, so the team is now at eight, I believe, including our CFO and our ops manager. So we've got six. Yeah, wow. 
Yeah. So that's um that expansion. When did they come into play? The CFO. Yeah. When did you feel like okay, this is a necessary step? My business is at the point where I can't really manage this because mm-hmm. again, I feel like a lot of people, like you said, just start swinging shit, make make quote unquote good money, but then like we spoke about, they don't understand cash flow, they don't say where the money's going. So where do you go? It's time. I I need to do this. I think it's different for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Let's let's preface this right because a lot of business owners, a lot of businesses might listen to this and say that we might be positioning that, that, that growth is a default and growth must happen. Growth is a choice, right? Well, I never thought about it like that. Like but growth is true. a choice. Like very there true. are, you might build to a hundred grand, but like I'm happy here and that is fine and you can manage that. That's cool, right? There might also be a business owner that gets to a hundred grand and goes, you know what? I'd rather pay someone to manage all the financials, manage all the cash flow, and buy back 13 hours of my time per week so I can go to the fucking beach, right? So it's, it's specific to the individual. So I think to answer your question, it's like depends on when you feel like you're drowning in finance, right? Like for me, it was like, I think for me, it was like as we broke through like the 800K mark, I was like, uh, this is, I don't want to deal with this shit, right? And I just wanted to completely detach. And I fucked up, man. I actually detached too far, right? So that I, I hired a CFO and I was like, bro, just you do the money shit. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to know anything about it. Didn't even, I never looked at I'm going account. to the beach, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, I never looked at accounts. I, I, I would still work, bro. I would still do the shit, but I would never, ever just look at any accounts, right? Because I was just like, bro, money stresses me. Like, <laughs> it does. Like, I didn't want to know about it, right? So I went too far on that, on that scale. On that scale. Um, but then, you know, it took a bit of time to, like, get back in. And, like, as we were, like, I guess on the precipice of that. That came from your dad. Sorry. They came from your dad? My dad, bro. Have I told you about what you my told dad's me. like? That, that's why I brought it up. Like you've told me, but yeah. I'm not sure if other people know, but do you think that genuinely that's sort of where it stemmed from a little bit? 100%, man. Right. 100%. Backstory on that. My dad, um, really just awkward with money. Right. Oh, he's always had, like, like I said, we grew up well. Yeah, that's weird. Like, that it's, does that ever like, like why? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's like, my dad's a unique dude, right? Love him. He's just a, a unique dude. Um, and he's very much just like your personal life is your life. Like your money is your life. Yep. Um, and he, he's very, I guess it, pro- it comes from a really good place for him because like he he probably is just of that old school menta- mentality that money is the root of all evil. So don't talk about it. Right. And he'd rather just talk about the connection that he has with people and the emotions that and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so like, yeah, he just avoids conversations about money. Like, if I told him, like, Dad, we're, we're doing what we're doing, he'd just be like, I don't want to know, right? Like, yeah, shut up. Don't want to know. Yeah. He just mumbles, ah, no, 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 no. No, just shuts up. Like, so, but I think I, I had to get a little bit more involved in the money in the money side of things as we were on the precipice of breaking the seven figures um, just so I could fucking know what was going on, like, being able to make decisions. Yeah. Um, but in short, bro, like, it's the hiring, outsourcing is going to be just dependent on two things. One, how much you hate the fucking job, right? Because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as the first founder, you're doing everything. You're wearing every fucking hat. And you look at all the hats you're wearing, you're like, what hat do I hate the most? Right? Take that off. Take that off. Pay someone to do it. Do Go do the shit you enjoy. Because most people, most people just believe that business, you can only have one or the other. You can have, have, to have the success and the money or you can have the enjoyment factor of lifestyle, right? Most people think to grow this thing over here, to go as, as far as they feel like they could, they have to sacrifice everything in that they enjoy. It's like, no, you should be building this to get that. So Yeah, but in that building phase, do you think you can have both? Uh yeah, I do. If you have capital, right? Money is money creates freedom, bro. Oh, like, let's just say you don't have capital. Well, if you don't have capital, you've got to put the time. Yeah. So then 
at that point, you don't have capital, you're putting in the time, would you say that then it sacrifices those others? Sacrifice is necessary. Yes. Not just I, necessary, but like guaranteed. Yep. Like you have to. Again, especially if, like you said, you don't just want to sit at that 100K and just be average. Like mm-hmm. if you want to push boundaries and yep. sky's the limit, quote unquote, that has to be fucking done. Yeah. You have to. You have to. Like, man, the first thing for me now, like my priorities in life are a little bit different now, right? Really happy in my relationship, really happy with where that's going. So I won't sacrifice that time, but I'll sacrifice sleep every day of the fucking week, right? Like sleep, lowest of my priorities. If I have shit to do, I will it's make sure I do gains. it. It's not. <laughs> priorities, priorities though change all the time. They do. Yeah. They really do, bro. Like you could say, for example, continue this for a year or so and then dip your foot into NFTs or whatever. And mm-hmm. you're like, hey, fuck, I like this. I'm going to get into this more now. And yeah. then you step aside and you have that. And then you're, now your priorities are towards this. Yeah. So that's it. Like things change all the time. Yeah. I think for me, like, so I, I, I've, I diversify, I guess, security of money. Right, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll invest and I'll do the stuff that I need to in that regard as far as stocks are, uh, property smart. and so on. But I think for me, like I want, I, I think this is just the intro, the inner entrepreneur of me that I still want to be dependent of my growth. I like the fact that growth is a choice and I like that it's in my power. So like, what do you mean by that in terms of well, you actually I'm, growing through a business or yeah. like, you, so are you saying like the growth through like property, for example, you don't it doesn't like? excite me. Really? It doesn't excite me. No. Like but you purchasing that property, let's just say, for example, in the equity, like that's you still taking the action to... doesn't excite money. me, bro. I agree. It doesn't excite me. I think like it's cool, right? And I will still do it, but I will do it to a lesser degree if I had to pick, grow Very another company. Very right? interesting. Because like where I am at the moment, man, bro, like I, one, CEO, Lionstone, right? Two, I mentor and manage. Three, I'll do like corporate sales training. Or I'm now getting essentially investing into other businesses of like taking a percentage of stakeholder. Yeah, come in right? shareholder. Yeah, and, and come in as a shareholder just for my skill set, not for money, not paying down. I'm just getting equity in companies now to help them grow, mm. right? So that's like, think like mentorship, but Love instead care. of paying me, you know, my, my six-month rate, cool, pay me nothing. I just get some of your business. And I get some of your business and now we're in the ship together. Yeah, wow. Right? So like by the time I'm like by the time I'm forty, bro, I want to have like twenty large equity stakes in in companies, right? So if I own a business, I've been doing this business for four years. I'm coming to you for you to coach, mentor, mentor mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and my business, and I'm giving you let's say forty, fifty percent. Mm-hmm. It would still it would still be a minority stake, right? So the the I don't ever want to have to come into someone's business and be a major stakeholder purely because I don't want to have to have the responsibility and the one now I'm dragging the ship, right? So I'll, I'll take anything of below 49% as a stakeholder, mm-hmm. right? Happily, right? Currently like 30% in one, 20% in another. So I'm already building into three, yep. right? That's fun for me because it's still, I, I essentially direct the ship. I don't drag the ship. You can sort of just chill back, sort of do what you need to do to help them grow, but not be so involved where again, you'll, Working, quote Correct. unquote. And I'm assuming you pick and choose who you want to get into business. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm only going to do that unless I see it as a five year progression. Um, yeah. Right. Like that. They're on like in a good market. They've got skill set. They're able to grow. Like, cool. And they just need help. They either need help like with my skill set that I can provide, or they need connection into the network that I have. Or vice versa. Correct. Either or both. Right. It's so so cool that like, even on such a large scale on this hundreds of thousands of dollars being thrown around it's like it really came down to like network and growth like that's so cool to think about and like Mm -hmm. i feel like 
Like it's exactly why we're here. Like it's so overlooked. But like, it yeah, it's just like that, that was my whole point. It's just so overlooked that people think, oh, you're like you're you know networking, whatever. But it's like networking gets a bad rap, and it does. And networking, I, and I, I kind of buy into it a little bit. Like if you're just networking and you're just like, man, I've done it. I paid for paid to you know stupid money to go to events and network. Yeah, like sit at the dinner table and just talk to people that are in business. Mm-hmm. It, unless you can actually provide value to that person, that's where it ends. Yep. This conversation ends right there and then. If it's the right person. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, no, I think you should be, if you go to a networking event, you need to be strategical. I think. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, that's what I meant. Like for you, right, in real estate, if you went to a networking event, the last thing I'd tell you to do would be go hand out business cards, right? The first thing I'd tell you to do is go and approach every single person. Be like, I understand profit margins better in this type of house than anyone else let me appraise your shit for free right and then you give some value they learn your skill set they learn the thing the one thing you're best at right they learn your value and like now you just stack up ious right you go help you got you've helped all these people bro like and then you reach out and go hey man how did that that appraisal go right oh yeah cool like it was actually pretty accurate awesome i need help with this thing yeah what call was that? What you call, I think you said it before. We said it on the phone. Say the when you help somebody, they reciprocity. Yeah, yeah. Reciprocal something. Yeah. So it's the law of reciprocity, bro. When people, when you give someone something, they are obligated. They feel obligated to give it back. Right. They give something back. Right. When that's well, that's why, bro. You you think back to the last time you had a birthday, right? And your your grandma gives you a card, right? And you open it, and there's the money, but you pretend the money does just isn't there, and you're like. Oh, thank you for the card. Right? <laughs> yeah. Bro, like, facts. Like, that's exactly why. Because you feel like an asshole. Thanks for the card, it. man. Yeah. Like, oh, this money didn't exist. And you're just looking at the card, pretending like you're reading it, right? Or and if it's a five arch, yeah. Thanks, Yeah. But the thing is, like, you're sitting there, like, you, you sit there and you feel guilty because you've just been given something, but you have nothing to give them back. Yeah. And you sit, you feel awkward as you're like, oh, thank you. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, because like that's like that inherent grain that's ingrained into you is that like when you get something, you should give something back. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact: um, we learned this through like a, a almost like a psychological mentor sales thing that we went on recently, and yep. I'd heard it prior. If you walk into the room with someone that you've never met before, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this already. If you want to instill trust yep the first thing you do is ask them for a favor yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. 100%. so it immediately sets this thing he's like hang on fuck he's asking me for a favor he trusts me therefore i trust him yep and and you like i've seen it so we, we trialed it out so when you go out to houses and stuff for appraisals and everything yep. it's just like oh i'm so sorry can, can i have a glass of water or you know something like that you had to it, when you're in a room with someone that you don't know, if you ask them for a favor immediately, yep. they then immediately trust you. Yep. Okay. That's how it Do you know why that is? Like, is there a reason behind it? Like that's, re- re- that's reciprocation. It's reciprocation. It's exactly what you're touching on as well. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Because it's it's in the head somewhere at some point where it's but just isn't like- that, Isn't that working backwards? Because they've done you a favor, so you have to give them something back? No, no but that's what it is. It's, uh, I've, hang on, he's asking me to do him a favor, which means he must trust me Therefore, I must trust He's him. He's giving you. By asking, if I ask you for a favor, bro, I'm giving you the gift of my trust. Exactly. Okay, okay, I get That's it, right? what it is. I'm giving you the- My literal like, brain just wigged the outside. Like, so I'm giving it. you this thing. Don't don't drop it. Yeah, yeah. don't drop my trust. I, I'm asking for a favor. Fucking do it well. Can you please look after my phone? Can you please yeah. watch my phone? 
Yeah, Can like you please hold this glass that's expensive. You know, like yep. you're in. You're it's reciprocation. Yeah. It's 100. percent Like yeah. so, whenever you look at like even sales presentations, bro, you should do this all the time, man. Like just the way you position the phrasing, right? When I'm, I guarantee you, man, you'd get people like, oh, can you show me the house at this time? And you go, I can't, right? But instead of just like, nah, let's just do Tuesday. You go, look, I can't. But what I can do is this. Yeah. See, we had um, Diana Dow and his co- his cousin, right? Yeah. She was fantastic. So, and I have implemented this in sales and real estate, which yeah. is like never awesome. say unfortunately, never, never say, say unfortunately, you can't, because there's agree. a negative connotation connotation yep. there attached to that word. So yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. you're if I'm an agent and I'm telling you, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you who don't really, someone who doesn't really deal with me, you're like, oh, walls that's the guy who's told me, unfortunately, walls up. Yep. And it's, hey, is this house still available? Sold. I mm-hmm. say, no, it's, it's that one has sold. But what I can do for you is grab some information and mm-hmm. see what you're looking for and then help you find yeah. one that's coming up on market soon. Yep. Even something super simple, uh, we're learning like, when I was working in retail is like kill ants, like automatic negative thoughts. It's like, mm-hmm. if I give you a pair of jeans, I don't just let you try it on and go, cool. They're going to be like loose around the waist, X, X, Y, Z. So then I've already pre-framed those. So mm-hmm. you're expecting X, Y, Z to happen. So when you wear it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're expecting that. Yeah, you whereas manage your expectation. That makes sense. Whereas if, if I don't tell you it's going to be super, super tight around your legs, you're like, oh, but it's super tight. Maybe they don't fit. We it's do that pre-framing. Yeah, it's literally pre-framing. just yeah, pre-framing, yeah, right? Exactly so right. like in the first phase of like my sales process that I teach my team is like person, right pre-frame and then problem right so first we just get to know the person then pre-frame which like hey this is what we're going to go over in this call right this is what we're going to do and if i feel like you're a good fit for the process we'll go through the investment options sweet sound fair great and then we just like we get an automatic Again, yes there. you build that trust yeah they already know what to expect and then we go through the problem the pain and all the other shit right but it starts with that pre-frame know what to expect so that then they can manage it Right. Whereas if you just get into this lovely conversation and you're like talking about how you can help and do all this stuff, and then you're at the end like, oh, by the way, this is the price. Fuck. Walls up. You guys are in a position where you'd have people and clients come up to you because you've established such a great brand for yourself. Mm-hmm. But just out of curiosity, because I'm a sales agent, obviously, and I compete against other agents. Yep. How would you sell Limestone compared to another business? We're the best. Why? That simple, bro. So... We essentially, what we do in fire service is we provide not only education, but we automate that process so that education becomes easy. So in an industry where education is not sexy, right, we are the most expensive by far, and we should also be the best. If we are the most expensive, we should by default be the best. Otherwise, we wouldn't have people come back, mm. right? So how I sell Lionstone is like, we actually, we, we don't sell Lionstone, bro. That's what right? I mean, it sells itself. Well, we, yes and no, right? We've never done marketing successfully. I'll come back to that in a second. Successfully? We've wasted a lot of money, right? (laughs) Um, But we've not ever generated a single dollar from marketing. So everything's been organic. Um, So what we sell is the outcome, bro. We sell the facts that we we can fix their pain and we understand how to do it, right? And then of those elements, how we do that is we understand that education is a portion of that. We understand that support is a portion of that. We understand that like actual progress is a portion of that and it's like people it sounds so stupid but we we live in this world where like people like talk about like optimizing the process right optimizing unfortunately if i was to talk about an optimal fat loss process it would be slow because it's more sustainable guess what people don't buy sustainable people want so, now so we focus on that first four weeks we get it quick we teach you then how to maintain it we teach you all the things that we wouldn't suggest you do if you were to do this again right so we self-deprecate we if we if we own our shit no, no, no one else can, mm. right? So when we get when we sign someone up, like, cool, 
first two weeks are going to be pretty hard. We're going to go pretty extreme, right? It will be a little bit more challenging. You will probably have to sacrifice a bit more, but, right? That one word, but. Okay, but it's like, what can I do for you? It's like that. Correct. Thing yeah, it's like, it's the, cool, we're going to tell you how hard it's going to be, but we'll allow you to actually keep that result and keep it forever and you'll understand exactly how to replicate it every single time. Mm. That now becomes so believable just because I've told them all about the shit. Yeah? So positioning is key and then knowing your product and knowing your market so you can actually solve the problem. I think like our industry, fitness, everyone does the same shit. Like we all coach people. We all fucking get fat loss and we all build muscle, right? If that's your point of difference, it is saturated. But if, if we hear, hear it all the time, like industry saturated, industry saturated. Well, if all you're competing on is fat loss and muscle growth, then sure, right? Start learning about the actual issues, the pain points and how, how that manifests in their life, what that means in their personal life, X, Y, and Z. Now it's no longer saturated. It's funny you brought up costing and price. Mm. You said straight up like we're the most expensive. Yep. Which is interesting because Krim and I had a discussion about this too because obviously we have another business and, you know, we spent some time sitting there and trying to discuss costings and we had the discussions and it's almost like if you don't charge enough, it's almost like you're not competent to do the job. Yep. Why is it so cheap? <clears throat> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is it so cheap? Yeah. Is I there agree. something behind there? Yeah, you know, the why, it's the whole Ferrari thing again. And, yeah. and then I get it too. Like, well, why is this house so cheap? Mm-hmm. It's cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like... Door cheap. building and pests find out. Yeah, yeah, you'll figure it out <laughs> you'll pretty quick. You'll figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> Fucking quick, yeah. <laughs> I think price is interesting, man. Like, there's only one time in the... There's only a, a very small period of time that you should be the cheapest. And that's when you are the very newest, right? Like, if you haven't proven your product yet at yeah. all, yeah, you should be the cheapest. You should be the freest, Right because then you need to prove product market fit, right? So if I was launching this new fitness thing, right? And it was like this new fucking crazy way of doing things, yeah. right? Let's just assume there were new ways of, of doing things in our industry. There's now. not. There's not. Calorie f- deficit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eat right? your fucking protein. Exactly. So let's just assume I invented this way, right? But I had no proof that it worked. I couldn't charge what we charge now, right? So I'd have to do product market fit and I'd have to do it cheap and lean, right? App development, perfect example, right? People put hundreds of thousands of dollars into app development mm. before they even know if there's a fucking market that want to download it, yeah, right? So like the first iteration of the product should be cheap as fuck, if not free, right? Free for you to produce, ideally, and free for the person to try to figure out whether then you can you can get some data of whether it works. So that infancy stage of that very first startup should be getting focusing on being free, right? Mm. Just to build reputation build experience understand your product and your market but after that phase man it's like i don't see once you're past that phase right and this this probably cause a little bit of fucking ruckus but after that first infancy i think you should be the most expensive right and what do you do and what would you do in the sense of let's just say there's another establishment such as yourself Mm -hmm. you know like Leopard Stone comes along, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fucking they're doing exactly what you're doing. Yep, at the exact same rate. Yep, not financing like at the same work rate, at mm-hmm. the same value, the same quality. Yep. What do you do there? Be more expensive. Yeah. Well. Wow. <laughs> right. Like, there's two options, right? Sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I love poking. I love asking questions. <laughs> no, so the, no, I, I love this shit, right? So there's two ways we look at this, right? So fast beats free every day of the week. Right. What do you mean by that? So if I asked you, Karim, you can lose 10 kilos and it's going to take you three years, but it will be free. 
Oh, right? okay, yep, yep, yep. Good or job. you can have it in three weeks, but it's going to cost you three grand. Mm-hmm. You're going to pick fast, yep. right? So fast will always be free. So one, if there's a company that's doing ex- exactly what we do, I would try and find a gap and wait and find a way to do something faster than them, mm-hmm. right? So produce the result faster than them, um, create communication with clients faster than them. I don't think that's possible. Right. <laughs> and do you think that's just that's just a business thing or is that just for a PT thing in terms of fast? That's business. It is, business. It's everything. It's business, yeah. right? So in your industry, right? If I'll you sell could, your home faster. If you could sell the, the house faster, but you charge double, right? People are going to want fast, right? Because people's- Oh, I mean, there are some dickheads that- Yeah, I, I guarantee you, if, if the time delay, right now, if the time delay was two years versus six months, everyone's going to pick six months, right? Because no one's going to sit there for two years and do it, right? They're not going to want to wait, right? Look what look what the, the, the landscape that we live in, bro. Fast, right? You What do you do every day? You scroll your phone, your attention span is less than three seconds. So true. Right? Thanks to TikTok. Yep. So we, we look at what- what we have in the world now it's like fuck okay attention spans are only going to get less and less and less so if you're scary it's fucked it's very scary um but if you look at a market that like two products exact same right you either do it faster you find a way to communicate faster you find a way to deliver product faster you find them a way to do something faster right you will win right or if you can't do that you double your price right and now you become the person with status like oh they're more expensive you attract the people that pay you more. You attract the people that are willing to put more effort in because when they pay more, they pay more attention. If they pay you more than the other person that's got the exact same product, they will give you more effort. They will get a better fucking result. You can fucking get more referrals. Very interesting. So if there's a price war, bro, you just be the most expensive. I think on a very simple level, agreeing with you, it's like if it's the exact same service, then being more expensive again, it's mentally straight away instantly more perceived value even if you went cool they do a b and c and he does a b and c it's like hmm he's more expensive so it must be better even though i've just read that they're the exact time he must be better because mm-hmm. it's more expensive don't get me wrong there are people inherently will still want to do they will still want to look for a deal right but if we're saying all things equal like social social reach is equal instagram status is equal right um brand equity equal right everything equal right and they're like oh well what am i going to make a decision on there are going to be a percentage of people that go for the cheaper option, right? But I guarantee you, you do it for six months and you charge more. The ones that do come to you, provided you deliver on the value, they get more results, they put more effort in, they get a better outcome. Let's say it's not fitness, they get a better return on investment, they will tell more friends than the other person. Right? It's just fact, man. People pay more attention to more when, when they pay more money. As you would. Yeah. As Provi- you would. And the, the, the big key there, bro, is like you, I can sit here and this is where... Fuck, a little rant. I hate when in the mentoring- No, nah, go for it. Cool, bro. This, is what, <laughs> this is what we want, bro. We love this shit. Bro, I hate in the mentoring space that sign up a new client, right? Sign up a new business and I go, cool. I work, Let's say I worked with them for four weeks, right? I guarantee someone works with me for four weeks. They're going to they're gonna increase their price just because they will have heard me talk about price that much, right? They will have increased it. So who's, respons- who's responsible for that now net profit growth? Me being the mentor or them just because they fucking changed their price? them i did nothing right so you look at like most mentoring businesses they'll be like yeah they they made x amount more and if the only thing they did was charge more it's like the mentor did nothing right absolutely nothing what then why i bring that up is because i could tell you tomorrow to charge whatever the fuck you want for whatever service right charging it's fine repeat purchase rate might not be right so 
yeah, okay, I might, I might be able to increase someone's price tomorrow, but can they deliver on that value? Maybe not. So maybe in six months' time, their churn rate, the clients, the people that are coming through their business has doubled. People leaving at a, at a, a double as fast. Yeah. That's a fucking problem. What was the acronym? Was it L- LTV? Some- so yeah, lifetime value, right? So your LTV must increase, right? If we're looking at price increase, we don't just want an acute price increase. We want lifetime value to also increase, right? So the value needs to be representative of the price increase, mm. right? You can't just push price for nothing. And like eventually, yeah, you could do that in $5 increments, sure. But if you go from 100 bucks to 160 bucks, you better best hope there's some more fucking value there. Oh, 100%. Right. Otherwise, you as a consumer, you ask, "What are you paying for?" Correct, and that's when that's when you start to create comparison on price points. When comparison on price points only happens when you feel like you're not getting the value you're paying. Right. True. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to touch on, Reese, is you know we're a podcast based heavily around personal development, mm-hmm. um, and I think one some things that you know some of the people in our audience sort of struggle with when they are when they are successful on on the road to being successful you know those dark days oh man so the question the question i have for you is what do you do can i ask in those dark that's actually probably more important because this comes up a lot is how often do these shit dark days happen how often and then what do you do it's so overlooked what do you do in those dark days to overcome it man i've um i went through a phase of uh like clinical anxiety I actually got diagnosed with anxiety and was like in a bad way, man. Like I've spoken about on a pod before, but um, <coughs> just I was out of curiosity. Sorry. Mm-hmm. When did that occur? December last year. All right. Fuck. Because no, I, right. Before COVID mm-hmm. anxiety for me, I was just like, yeah, cool. I understand what it is, but I've never experienced it. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but throughout COVID I had my first anxiety attack mm-hmm. and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. I felt Scary, like, hey. oh, it's fucked. Like you feel like, there's like a nuclear bomb happening in the distance and you're just going to die. Like you think the world's going to explode. It's really bad. I get this weird euphoric feeling where like if I'm having an anxiety attack where I start to feel like it's such a strange way to describe this, but I feel like my hands are getting heavy, right? So so, so like I've got my phone in my hand and my phone feels heavy whilst also feeling light, right? And then I start to feel like I'm floating, bro. Yep. And it feels disgusting. Like that sound might sound cool, but it feels fucking horrible. Um, so, you had your first, so you had your first anxiety in December. Like an acid trip. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not fun. Um, yeah, late late last year, I started like I think just like compounding factor of businesses. Businesses were fucking going nuts. Um, personal life was going a bit fucking nuts, um, and then just managing it all just kind of crum- it just crumbled, man. So what I do on those dark days now, I, look, I'll, I'll paint the picture back then. Back then, I didn't do much, right? I didn't know how to handle it. Didn't know what to do. Um, Probably didn't even know what the fuck was going on. Correct. Yeah. Had no idea, right? But I think clinical anxiety is very different to the bad days that business owners experience. Right? I think the bad days that business owners experience are largely due to one of two things. It's going to be finance management, right? Where you've got stress around finance, either not enough or the numbers are scary, right? Or it's lifestyle management. And I think both of those are still really valid, but very different to clinical anxiety. And I can't, I don't think they can be grouped into the same conversation. I but I think now that like I've had that, that process and, and I've had that experience of actual real anxiety uh, to the point where I got medicated and was just not in a good way. Um, now these, these hard days, I can sit there and go, okay, I've been through that thing. It's not that thing. So I need to get pragmatic. I need to think about a way out because I would often 
on stressful days and we just let's just talk business specifically if stressful shit would happen in the business i would often just try and dig into that hole like it's stressful it's good i have to like i have to just ride this wave i have to ride this wave mm. and then i would ride that wave to a point where i'd push myself into a back corner and like leave myself no other option it's like hustle's mentality. <laughs> to to hustle out of it right i dig that hole and I would just, I would have the assumption that like, well, if I can get out of this, it's like, it's another, you know, it's another notch on the belt. It's another, I can prove, I proved that I did the thing. Yeah. So I would try and, ma- I didn't mean to, but I often made shit worse before I made it better. Yeah. Um, way out of that for me. Actually, tattoo on my hand, grateful. Um, that's a reminder for every time that I'm having a bad day that this is happening to me. Sorry, this is happening for me, not to me. I get to learn from this and I have something to prove now and I can move forward. I definitely think that's a huge thing to to consider when dealing with anxiety. Yeah. And I think like um, the bad days, man, as as Karim just said there, it's it's cause and effect. You can either choose to live a cause or you can choose to live an effect. Um, And the way that I've run the business for... A, a number of years now is everything and e- any f- anything and everything is my fault and i take extreme ownership to the point where it ev- like i take responsibility for every problem i give credit and take blame so any point of success in the business it's my team that did it anything that went wrong in the business it's my fuck up mm. right and that's heavy sometimes but it allows me the power to go i can choose to fix it i have a figure i have to figure out a way out because if i just be a victim of it and just let things happen how they have happened for a long time in business and just this is just how it is you have to struggle i have no control over that i have no ability to take ownership of that and if i can't take ownership of it i can't change it yeah that's something i was just going to ask so i think you pretty much just answered it but you said you know it's either financial or just like a lifestyle balance and when you're having those shit days in business do you find that you end up doing that you go okay cool i'm out what stressed me out why am i upset why am i having a shit day it's this okay so i lost two clients or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then do you like start looking into that issue immediately or do you sort of just, okay, just sort of let it be? I'll sit with it. I think, man, we talk about strategy before, right? And often in the business conversation, everyone talks about strategy on how do you pivot? How do you move forward? Right. But good strategists also know when to do fucking nothing. And just like, let's just see this play out. Right. Because often as business owners, we always think that like we must do something. We must have an answer to the problem. Sometimes you just have to see what the problem is. And you have to just actually assess it. You have to orient. You have, like I said before, you have to orient, right? And then you observe, right? Doing nothing is sometimes just as powerful as doing everything. And I think learning that, that only comes with time. It only comes with experience. But I think to answer your question is what I do on those days. Personally, I get pragmatic. Personally, I look at, okay what can I track here? What's the, like, what can I reverse engineer from this problem? If the problem is the outcome, let's look at three, four, five steps, six steps behind that. And let's see if I can find where it went wrong. And if it's like, for example, like clients leaving, I'm going to go look back through all communication process. I'm going to look back at when their check-ins were done. I'm going to look back at how much weight they lost or, or gained. Right. Then I can start to pinpoint problems. Right. And rather than it being my team's fault, find your holes. Like we find the holes and we plug them. Right. So if it was a communication thing, it's like rather than like, hey, coach, you didn't do the communication the way we're supposed to. It's like, why didn't that happen? What can we build to make that easier? What can we change? (laughs) Right. And at some point, that string gets too long. Right. Where I've run into that before. And it's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in business was exit someone from my business. And it fucking sucks. Right. 
but that's just because I took credit and gave blame. Sorry, I took blame and gave credit for too long and was trying to fix problems and trying to fix problems and trying to fix problems when sometimes it's just the wrong person. It's hard. That's real hard, but it's unfortunately business. I was going to ask you when you said that before, you said, you know, give credit and take blame. Um, there has to be some sort of line there where it's actually not. Yeah. yeah. There is a line. Um, I'm, I won't lie and say that I've found it. I think um, it's going to be dependent on the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that just comes with time of like learning the landscape, learning the business. Um, and for me, man, like there's so far, it's only served me, served me wrong once where it's like things got too far out of hand. And I had to I had to make a decision, yeah. right? But I, like that's a that's a decision that I that I live with, and it's a decision that I learned a fuck ton from. Mm. So I think the line now, I think I've moved the line a little bit forward, more forward now. Where like f- essentially, like if this KPI isn't hit, this KPI isn't hit, and then we do a performance review, and then it's still not being hit, and then I try a different way to fix the problem. That's when I probably call it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And on, on, and on the other side of that question I said in terms of what do you do in your dark days, what like just so like our audience, you know, can hear, what do you typically do on a day-to-day basis that you think helps your routine and you manage everything that you've got going on? I don't know the opposite to routine, but I'm that. I don't have one. <laughs> you don't have a routine? Yeah, I'm real. Like, I think I, I find chaos. I find, I, I find calm in chaos. Um, so a day is never really the same for me, but, um, I think some of the pillars that I kind of lean into, uh, is definitely, I, I read, I read often, yeah. um, and I'll, and it could be anything from personal development all the way through to actual like stories about just random shit. Right. Um, to answer, uh, you mentioned before about like, if you had to, you know, pinpoint one thing that you would do to try and fix and so on, um, really good book called the one thing. I don't know who it's written by, but a great book. I highly recommend to every business owner just every person in general actually allows you to focus on one thing at a time rather than focus on 10 million things because like every business owner has so many thoughts in the head. Correct. Yeah. They don't know what one deserves their attention. Yes. Yeah. So one, the one thing, really good book. Um, but I guess on a day to day of my anchors, uh, my anchors, are my team, bro, like my team fucking do so much for the business. They do so much for me. Um, I'm very lucky to, to have the team that I do have around me that within the business, um, so I guess my day-to-day, man, is, is delegating, is looking at my tasks for the week and for the day and go, okay, who's going to be best served to do this? Who's going to be Obviously best served to do that? Obviously, in order of importance. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting really into this now. Yeah, From cool. a risk management position, mm-hmm. your anchor is your team. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that you wouldn't ha- you would want to have some sort of anchor within yourself? Because mm. yeah. let's, be let's just say tomorrow your team disappears. Yeah. It and would be like, great. Then what? It would be great. To, to operate internally. For me though, I I see if I have an anchor towards myself, like, all right, let, let's go surface level. My anchor is probably my dog, right? He's fun as heaps of fun. But like ultimately if I was to anchor on myself, this might sound a bit morbid, but I feel like there's another, there's, there's another option then, right? Whereas if I anchor to the team and let's say if all the team fucked off. I'm not saying you're, what you're doing is bad, by the way. No, 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 I asking. like this yeah. conversation, bro. I like to, this kind of stuff's cool because it gives a different perspective. I think that for me personally, if I had to rely on some ter- sort of internal anchor, that would give me a way out, right? It would give me way an option of doing the shit that I feel necessary, mm-hmm. right? So I see this as a way of like, for this again, morbid as, but I see Lionstone success as no option. And if the other, if there is no success, if it doesn't grow, if it fails, 
the option is I don't be here, right? So the stakes are high for me, right? And I don't, I'm not saying that I'm suicidal, but it's like that's the level of like seriousness of that I take the success of the business. Yeah. And so if I internally anchor, for me, I look at that and go, okay, if it's on me, I can be lazy, right? If it's on me, I can make excuses for myself, right? And if, if, it's, delegate. On, if it's on me, right, and I'm tired this day, it only impacts me. It's my problem, right? Whereas if I make it everyone else's problem, now I'm responsible for their livelihood. I'm responsible for them to fucking pay mm. their bills. Mm. For me, that's what works. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, internal anchors are still super necessary. Yeah. Right? Because some people aren't as extreme as me. Some people like the fact that there could be a backup option. Yeah. I don't want one. No plan B. Yeah. Yeah. Big Maybe. believer in that. It's but. them, it's nothing. Yeah. Fuck and for me, like I... I, I said this in a seminar the other day, man, but like for me, my biggest success in business, my biggest like flex, if you will, is not what the company turns over in revenue, right? It's what we pay. And like we pay out over 600 grand a year. And for, yeah, wow. uh, for a personal training company out of the West to do that, I'm fucking proud of that. Yeah, and so you should be. And like I look at my staff and I look at like the things they've been able to do, the things they've been able to buy, the places they've been able to go see. Like yeah. I'm like, I've helped facilitate that. And that's a fucking awesome feeling. And that to me is fucking cool. So that's where I anchor to my team because I'm like, well, if this grows, they, they grow, grow, right? And like the way I've structured the business, they do. So it, it's all beneficial. Yeah, well. So you, you do read? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I read. I think so. Give you, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick, I guess, summary of that. I think maybe not daily, but I think reading throughout your week is necessary. Audiobooks count. Yeah. I, th I think reading is good on two behalfs. One, you're learning, but mm -hmm. two, you're taking time away from the phone, which yeah. I think is a huge thing that's impacting people at the moment. Like you said, TikTok and everything, it's just shortening those attention spans. If you get yeah. consumed and sucked into that, yeah, you're gone. It's a whole yeah. Thing. Whole another whole just like it's just a deep hole, man. But yeah. I think to as a framework for people's weeks, I think look at game theory. Game theory has helped me a lot. Yeah. So game theory is essentially something where like you assign points to certain tasks in your week. All right. And everything in your week. And that's not just business. That's social and personal too. Mm -hmm. So you have a girlfriend, you have a partner um, messaging that partner. If that's something that's important to them and important to your relationship, it should have points assigned to it. Right. Cause I'm a competitive motherfucker. Right. So if I see something as a game, I want to win. Right. So if there's a call is important in my relationship, that's going to be assigned more points than say a text message. Yeah. Right. Um, if certain tasks in my business are more important than others, they're going to be assigned points accordingly. Mm -hmm. The cool thing here is it might only take you 200 points to win the week, right? To win the game. And let's say there's 500 points on offer. You go for the shit that's going to give you the most points every day. I've never heard, I've, I haven't heard that one. I'm going to be honest about that. That makes fucking really good sense. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really interesting. So you, you create a subjective metric and go, well, all the points total up if they're every task in my day today, you map out and you just audit, you time order everything you do in a day that's important. It needs to be time ordered. Right. So fucking and you and you map out points to every single thing that you do, right? From brush your teeth to walk your dog to <laughs> message the the partner. Right? What, what does brushing teeth go for? How many points is that one? Uh, for, man, so for <laughs> me, I, I structure around only personal and and business. But man, for some people it might be necessary do a full point system, mm. right? And why I say that is because like the more wins you can get on the board, the better, right? If you can, if you can like um, get to the end of your week, right? If you can get to the end of the week and you're like, fuck, well, I've, I've still won. I might not have done all the shit that I said I was going to do, but I brushed my teeth every day. I did my walk like this. I still acquired 30 points every day and I, I could still win my week that way. 
if you feel like you're consistently failing, that might be what you need to build motiva- motivation. Yeah, I feel like that almost links in with discipline, though. Yeah, yeah. If you're you you know, no matter what, you're waking up every day, you're brushing your teeth, and you're yeah. doing those things. It's some sort of discipline there. Where discipline's it's flawed, bro. Right? Discipline and motivation. It is because yeah, there are yeah. I flawed. get what you're saying. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Right? We look at this as a, motivation is the the spark that that starts the cycle. Yeah. We get motivation. We then get action. And most of the time, action should lead to result, right? Problem with life is delayed gratification is a thing. And we live in a world where people have oh, short fucking attention spans, so right? Yep. So we get the spark, we get the motivation, we do the action, and then we get no result. Without result, how do you build discipline? Because yep. what happens then is you go, well, fuck this. And then you have to get motivated again. And the problem thing is like people just keep get back on that same loop because they get motivated, they do action, no result. They just don't do it for long enough to get the result to then build the discipline. Well, that's the hardest part about it all. Correct. Right. So Some that's people where argue it's the opposite. Some people go like, you're not going to see results straight away. So you need discipline to continue. No, you're only going to get discipline from results. Yeah. That's yeah. There's only like, you, bro, we, the human psyche, I said this the other day. Yeah. Human psyche is a greedy communist. It's only going to attach positive nature to everything you do. Initial return is going to be its fucking prime function. Right. Every time you like you get in a fight and you yell at the person that you're arguing with, like there's the prime function there is because it makes you feel alpha, it makes you feel good, and then three seconds you feel like an absolute asshole. Yeah, you do. Right? Yeah. But the initial action is positive function for you. Right? It's positive return on investment. Right. So I think like results breed uh, dedication and and you know create that discipline. But without it, it's hard to get. So that's where I think game theory as a as a as a framework for people is really, really helpful. Assign points and assign points to mundane shit. That's yeah, really that's really fucking interesting. I'm definitely gonna play around with that for sure. Uh, I did it for like two years straight, bro. I had a, a whiteboard in my room, yeah, like in my bedroom, man. It looked like so weird. You wake up in this fucking whiteboard with just points on room. it, right? Yeah. Like oh, I, I mean, if you've got points and stuff, bro. I'm not talking like a, a nice, like a nice whiteboard. I'm talking like one of those big ones on wheels at the foot of my bed. <laughs> yeah, like it was at the foot of my bed, and I wake up, and the first thing I'd see was the points. Yeah. 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 And I was like, "Fuck, okay, cool. That's how I build discipline." Like, if you come back to like how how did I get that like hustle, do the shit? Yeah. That's not that wasn't years and years and years ago, but it's definitely something to help grow it. Yeah. Right. So I think implement game theory, man. Like if you guys want to be more successful in anything, assign points to it, get competitive with it and burst yourself every week and win the game. Beautiful. Burst yourself. That's a really good note to end on. Reese, we could probably sit here and talk this about fucking a amazing. lot yeah. for a while. Um, if Is there anything you want to wrap up on? In sort of Any shout outs? Anyone? Shout outs. <laughs> you want to let our audience know if there's anything, you know, if they're in a rut or, you know, they're trying to get their business going. Is there any, do you have any, any like take home suggestions? <coughs> take home tip, man. I think... You are your business, right? The business starts with you. And unless you believe you can fucking grow, you won't. Mm -hmm. Um, And growth is a choice. So figure out how much growth you want to make. And as for, I guess, shout outs, man, if you guys like what I have to say, uh, my own podcast from Lambs to Lions, check that out. Spotify, YouTube. 100%, guys. That's pretty much it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. I I got heaps out of that. I'm sure everyone else did. Like business-wise, fitness industry, real estate, like the whole, all the principles can be applied across the board. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for providing so much value and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya.